Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode, and I'm here with, uh, as I say so many times, new friends of mine, Deb. Deb, actually, you know what? I'm going to ask you to pronounce your last name for us all, so I don't say it incorrectly. Hey, it is Deb Kelsbeek. Kelsbeek, okay. Just like it, just like it's written out, K-A-L-S-B-E-E-K, okay. Uh, and then Bethany Cramblett. Bethany, thank you so much as well for hanging out with us today. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. And Deb and Bethany are a an entrepreneurial duo, if you will, with Snap Studio. And actually, as we get started here, just to kind of briefly introduce the two of you and your business, can you sum up where, you, first of all, where you all are based, but then ultimately what type of photography business your studio, Snap Studio, represents? We actually have multiple businesses between us. Snap Studio is my Deb uh, personal business. It's the one that for me, it all started with. And then we own Snap Joy Studio together. And we can kind of explain where all that comes from. But we are located in West Michigan. The studio specifically is located in Granville, Michigan. Awesome. Okay. So that gives me a little bit more point of reference. And thank you for clarifying that. I appreciate that. And I'm sorry for the confusion on my part. If I am to link everybody to the site or sites, go ahead and mention if you will. We normally do this at the end, but let's go ahead and mention it up front, the websites that they can go visit and where they can find you on Instagram so they can kind of follow along with what we're talking about. And I'll say this up front to everybody listening in too, what we're going to be getting into today. And and one of the things I was quite clear on is the fact that Deb and Bethany do run multiple businesses, which one to highlight, of course, is the question at hand. But, but ultimately, the fact that you all run multiple companies just makes you that much busier. We're busy enough running an individual photography business, for example, but then adding additional businesses to that mix and then wanting to have a life beyond that mix, uh, that can be a challenge. We're going to actually talk about how to create, uh, and I'm going to use a word here that we're going to dissect a bit as well, how to create balance amidst the hustle of having multiple businesses. But yeah, go ahead and give us some context and list all the, all the good things, all the URLs, all the social media, and we'll have a good idea of, of the number of businesses that you're running. Okay. So like I said, I first started with Snap Studio. That was my baby company. It started as just photography. And then it has morphed into being photo, video, DJ, planning assistants, an officiant, <laughs> photo booth, like all the things. And that one people can find as Snap Studio GR. And then I also own B, which is GR Boss Babes. It is Entrepreneur Education and Events. And that one's GR Boss Babes. Then Bethany and I both co-own Snap Joy Studio, which is a creative rental space for photographers and videographers to come in, use our space as their own. We have everything there for them except for their camera. That's like the only thing that they need to bring in and their own clients. And then we also own Weddings in a Snap together. 
So weddings in a snap is a really unique uh, business concept. It's still in the, well, sort of the developmental stages. We're uh, rolling it out very slowly just because, as you said earlier, we are very busy. And so we don't want to take on too much and do it poorly. We'd rather do it well. So the weddings in a snap is a full service wedding facilitation uh, with preferred vendors. It's complicated, but the goal is to make it simple for the bride so that she can have a no worry, no fuss wedding that is taken care of, but it is still elegant and incredible. So that's weddings in a snap and that's weddings in a snap pretty much anywhere you go. So um, there's nothing really like it. So if you search weddings in a snap, that's a pretty easy way to find us. Um, Oh, I'm just going to jump in really quick, Bethany, if you don't mind too, and and just point our listeners to, I I know I initially mentioned Snap Studio, uh, or in this case, more specifically, Snapshot Moments Photo, but the about page on that URL gives it lists out these various businesses if if anybody wants a kind of a visual summary if you will yeah snapshot moments was deb's original name and i think she snap she shortened it to snap just to make it a little bit easier and more brand centric for what she was doing so it's actually funny because i was joy photo for eight years and when we met and we found out that we had a, a similar drive toward life her snap studio photography and my joy photo became Snapjoy Studio, where we have our collective space. So you can find me, Joy Photo, um, either on Facebook as Joy Photo MI or uh, the same with some underscores at Instagram or uh, www.joyful.photos online. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, when this, when we originally started talking about doing a podcast together, first of all, I had the opportunity to talk with, with Deb briefly one day. And, um, honestly, I needed a little bit of clarification at that point as to how all of these businesses broke down. Obviously I wasn't completely clear even today. And I, I apologize for that. We, what we want to do is, is well, we're going to get into the course, the concept of how to effectively balance multiple businesses. But I, I think that you've got a really interesting, concept business model, if you will, and enabling photographers that having a location where photographers can essentially run their business, like you said, everything but a camera. This is an interesting business model. Can you explain just a little bit of where that came from? Sure, absolutely. So when I was starting out, uh, and this is Bethany, by the way, um, when I was starting out with my photography business, I started out natural light and the idea of uh, studio photography was not only scary, but also unreachable because financially it's a, it's a large step to take to invest in lights and modifiers and stands and backdrops and uh, roll papers and all of the things that it takes to actually do studio photography. All of the other studios in the area that were rentable were someone else's space that they were using a rental system to sort of sublet and uh, kind of compensate for their rent that they had to pay. And so it was, it was their space that you kind of very gently use. But a lot of times there weren't lights, there were trigger systems, there weren't backdrops and options. You were just hoping to show up and have something usable. So because of that, I ended up doing a lot of work in my home and I had a few people that I would invite into my home and then later very quickly regret because you learn about who they are. And, you know, I I let a gentleman into my house that I found out was a abuser of women who was a a sexual predator. And I feared for my children and I was letting these people into my house and it's just not safe. And so that's where a lot of of my drive sprung from is, is to provide a place for photographers to go that is safe, that they're not inviting people into their home and putting their family at risk. 
and where they don't have to spend thousands of dollars investing in gear and backdrops and wasting, potentially wasting that money if that's not where they want to be in their life or if they decide that studio photography isn't for them or if they don't have the clientele to support their business. Well, and, and two, some photographers might want to be, move beyond their, their Starbucks office, right? They don't necessarily right. have a, a home office space. They're not comfortable with continuing meeting in a coffee shop. They want somewhere that they can actually give their brand a home, if you will. Absolutely. And it's, it's really cool that you all have created this model. Tell me one more time the URL for that particular business. It's snapjoystudio.com. Perfect. And we'll link to, to this and the other companies in the show notes as well. So for those of you listening in, you're curious about all of the different things going on here between Deb and Bethany, you can check those out. I do have one more question about this, and, and then I promise we'll move on. Because when I, when I think about clarity for the sake of brand position and presence in an industry or in a market, having multiple businesses, it seems like it could be difficult to create clarity amongst, what is it, like five different business models. Do you ever find that to be challenging? And and if so, how have you gone about making sure there is clear distinction, no confusion, that the clients relevant to each of those brands uh, aren't confused in the process? What does that look like for you all? So one of the things that we're very intentional about is our branding, because we know that it's important to make sure you're putting out the right message and people aren't getting confused. There is a little bit of confusion with the names, um, but we, we know that that is something that uh, people are going to run into. So we've made it very clear on all of our sites that the differences are very easy to distinguish. Um, we put a lot of effort into our branding of our different companies. So we have branding sheets with our, our logos and our fonts and our color palettes and sample images for style and inspiration. And those are all lined outlined on, on a clickable sheet where you can choose the different colors and you have the hex codes and everything is really easy so that it's not confusing. Um, so we use different fonts for each brand and we use different color codes and styles depending on what we're creating for marketing and advertising for each specific brand. As well, each specific business serves a completely different clientele. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like my Snap Studio is specifically just weddings. Okay. Whereas the studio, like we don't even shoot as photographers with the studio. The studio is completely a space for other photographers. Cool. So it's not our space that we're letting people use. And we make that very clear to them that this is not our space. This is your space. So please help us create a space that works well for you. And we use it too, of course. <laughs> well, and we're going to get into more details because I'm still, I'm kind of reeling, trying to keep up with all of the different moving parts. Uh, but I want to get maybe further into our conversation, get into a little bit more detail about how you manage all of these different brands too. I'm currently um, helping run photographers edit. And then of course I do the podcast, which is really just an extension of photographers edit. It's a way for us to add value to the industry, for example, through photographers edit. And then we're getting ready to launch really what is a second company. So there's only two companies, the idea of five companies and trying to make maintain distinction and then juggle it all is just, that's a quite an overwhelming thought to me, but I think it falls under the line of the conversation about balance. And we'll get to that here in just a bit. So I want to keep moving and actually, I guess, relevant to our conversation so far, what would you say is your, I mean, if you had one sentence or a phrase to sum up of the brand position of each of these businesses, how would you do that? 
I will start with Joy Photo. My personal photography company, my brand is capturing joy. So it's a storytelling and capturing moments in a very generic way that feels generic to the client, but is specialized because I'm actually letting them be who they are. And so those genuine interactions and those genuine moments that are not contrived, that are not forced. Um, I don't do a whole lot of posing. I suggest things and we see how it feels and we run with that. Capturing joy. I like the simplicity of that. All right. So that's one of the brands. Continue through the rest, if you will. Yeah. So Snap Studio, like I said, that one is specifically just weddings and it's really wanting to serve the client beyond their wedding. So one thing that we do is by offering multiple services in one place, which simplifies their planning. It's one contract, one deposit, one, you know, remaining balance. Like it's one person that you're talking to versus a bunch of vendors. Right. And the purpose in doing that is to bring back the reason why they're getting married in the first place, which is because, you know what, they want to spend their rest of their lives together. And yes, the wedding is so exciting, but we just want to make sure that they're not stressing out during their planning process. And then we also want to help them by giving them resources after the wedding to ensure that they have a strong relationship. Um, as for weddings in a snap, and like I said, that is just still in the the baby stages. Uh, but the whole point behind weddings in a snap or our brand, what we're trying to communicate to our clients is that weddings don't have to be about the chaos, which a lot of brides make it about how much chaos they can manage. And it really does not have to be about it. Our, our whole premise is to bring the simplicity back and still be able to have that beautiful, stunning wedding with the florals and the location and the decor and everything without having to deal with all of the chaos, letting us manage that for them. So it simplifies the process essentially. Yes, absolutely. As simple as possible. I mean, we really tell our brides, you can come in and meet with us for two hours and we can plan the rest of your wedding. We'll do another meetup in like, you know, a month or two before the wedding, just to make sure that everything is good to go. But for the most part, we can cover everything except for your food and your alcohol. And then anything that they want to handle on their own is up to them. But it is as simple as guiding them through their options. And then everything is planned. That's incredible. Wow. And it it starts at a price point that is pretty affordable for kind of the, the lower budget market too, correct? Right. Yeah. We, we, we aim to serve primarily, obviously there are other people that fall into our business model, but our, our primary goal is to serve those that are the busy moms or the working professionals. Um, the people that want a stylish, classy, fun event that is going to flow smoothly, but they're they're busy. They are either entrepreneurs or they're working long hours or they're very, they've got very complicated lives without a whole lot of time to spend searching and basically reinventing the wheel. Every time somebody gets engaged, they do the same exact search as every other person. So what we offer is the best of the best vendors in our area already vetted, tried and true so that you don't have to do all that back end work and cross your fingers and pray that you pick the right person. Wow. That's what an incredible solution. And I honestly, I don't know, certainly not in my market anyway. I'm in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. 
I don't know of a kind of a one-stop solution like that. And I bet that would serve a, a really massive segment of even just the U.S. wedding market, um, yeah. if not beyond. That's, that's a great idea. Okay, so I think that was three of the brands. We have a couple more. Yes. And then there is B, which is GR Boss Babes. This one completely goes against everything that we've been taught in business, which is you learn the tools and the secrets and then you keep them to yourselves and you don't share it with anyone because then that creates competition, Um, which I know we were talking about earlier, this community over that competition and sharing what we've learned in business to be able to support others and help them grow because we all bring something to the table. So you also are being fed into and learning from the other people there who have, you know, been in business, have different, you know, trades and skills that they're able to teach you and you were able to teach them. So community over competition, very simply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. And then uh, the fifth brand. The Snapdrie Studio. So I'll handle this one. Uh, Snapdrie Studio, we spoke earlier, is the combination of um, Deb's brand and my brand. And we did that partly to bring our current clientele and our current name in the community in to give us a little bit of perpetual motion, but also because we are trying to provide a space that allows people to come in and take photos without all the hassle. So to bring that snap with the joy, which works really nicely. So the studio, our main brand position on that is to, again, provide a space that is minimum hassle with all of the tools that you could possibly need. And and we can't provide everything, but we do the best to stay trendy and on on market for what our photographers are trying to accomplish um, with all of the lights, modifiers, stands, backdrops, um, roll papers. We have nice bright white walls. We've got a king size bed with a beautiful duvet cover and a, and a gold headboard. We have a seating area for our clients to potentially meet with their clients if they're doing um, in-person sales afterwards or if they just want to consult about what the next steps are. Um, so our whole brand position is to make other photographers successful by letting them spend their money on growing their business or providing for their family, not investing in gear that they have to lug around, insure, protect, keep nice, and then hope to God that they use and continue to use that invested money. Wow. Like right across the board between all of our businesses. And this is kind of how even Bethany and I met is, and kind of got to talking is because we both, came together and started talking and realized that we both had this belief, which is the community of our competition, like across all of the businesses, that's something that's huge within all of them yeah. is creating this community. We always say that the pillar of our, of our business, any of our businesses is how do we help others be successful? Because you really find your own success when you lift other people up. And when you help other people be successful, because if we can help other people find their success, then we grow and we learn from that as well. Yeah. And that's so true. I mean, we've, we've talked about this so much on the podcast that the significance of community, not, and, and certainly for the sake of growth, um, but just for human connection too, honestly. I mean, I, this was something I was actually having a conversation. My, my girlfriend and I took a walk last night and uh, it was kind of a mini date, if you will. We just had a little bit of time. So we got out and took a walk and she, she mentioned something cause we were talking about our relationship 
the desire that I have for connecting with people um, is different than, than hers in some ways. And part of that has to do with personality and our backgrounds, but part of that also has to do with the fact that she works in a job that, that, is, that involves her being around people, or people a lot more. Whereas myself and I think a lot of our listeners, photographers, are working from home or in an office on their own. And there's something to be said for actually making the effort to get out and connect with community. I love the idea of having that, that type of studio that you all have created um, where there's an opportunity in and of itself there, not only to have all these other benefits that you already mentioned, but to connect with other photographers too. But yeah. there is something to be said for actually making the time and the effort to get out and connect with other photographers. By the way, in person, Facebook groups just aren't enough. And I've seen right. too too many. I mean, it's funny in some ways, but then at the same time, it seems like photographers justify not getting out because it's not, quote, convenient. And it's you know way easier to sit on their phone or on their computer at home and be on a Facebook group rather than actually taking an hour to go have coffee with somebody or go make time for lunch for a couple hours. We do a brunch uh, weekly here in the Chattanooga area with photographers. And it's, it's really not that difficult to put it in the calendar and get out and do it. And I think right. it's really important for our mental, psychological, emotional health as business right. owners and photographers as well. So um, I appreciate you summing all of that up. And we have so much to cover. I want to keep moving. You all have experience, years worth of experience now as business owners of multiple businesses. What would you each say would be the most significant thing that you've learned as business owners so far? What would be the, the first piece of advice that you'd want to share with a fellow photographer? To definitely find a mentor, someone that you can learn under who is farther ahead than what you are and ask them if you can learn from them. Make sure that you are putting in the time and the effort to also learn on your own. One thing that I know personally has helped me in business to grow as a person and in my business is if I know what I want and I want my and I know what I want my life to look like, go out and ask for it. Because these opportunities aren't going to come knocking at your door. Like you have to get out. Yes face-to-face people. <laughs> as, as for me, um, one of the most important lessons that I've had to learn is that you have to put yourself out there. And, and she said to ask for things. And, and mine is a little more simple. I'm a total introvert. I do not do social events. I don't like being in front of large groups of people. I don't I, I don't. It's not my thing. Uh, and if I do, I, I do it pretty well. I can fake it until I make it. Um, but I'm exhausted afterwards. And that's just the nature of being an introvert. But for me, I'm totally content sitting in my corner uh, behind my computer and, and hiding there and just hoping that people will notice me. But one of the hardest things to do is to counteract that and say, you know what, I need FaceTime with people and I need to invest in those relationships so that I can challenge myself to not just hide so that I can make those relationships and, and build myself up to be more than I was before. Yeah, that's good. Well, I mean, there's a theme between both of you there, which is the significance of um, getting out and doing, right? Or in this case, right. it, you're talking about, Bethany, the significance of stepping out beyond your comfort zone. I, For the longest time, I would have labeled myself an introvert as well. And then what I realized, and, and this process might be different for different people, but what I realized is the reality, which is that psychology drives that those introverted tendencies. And that psychology mm-hmm. is created through largely through life experience. And so what it took for me was to kind of look look at 
how I felt in those scenarios that you know, made me uncomfortable being in large groups of people or in loud environments where there were a lot of people. I was uncomfortable, similar to what you were saying. I, I felt like I needed to step out of the room for, you know, after 30 minutes or 45 minutes, maybe even less in some cases, because I felt kind of exhausted. I took right. some time to take a step back and look at the psychology driving that behavior, what actually at the root level was making me uncomfortable. And when I took the time to do that, it enabled me then to be able to step beyond that so-called box that I'd kind of created in some ways for myself, whether consciously or subconsciously, right. of being a, quote, introvert. And it enabled me to be able to more effectively engage. So I, I props to you for bringing that up, the fact that we can step beyond what what we might consider ourselves in the moment. There's there's a lot more to it than a simple label. And and it, it just sometimes takes the effort to, to step beyond that. So that's good. Um, if we, if we were to ask you what the most significant self-help or business book is that either of you have read or listened to maybe, what comes to mind? Uh, personally, and Bethany and I were talking about this earlier, like really, what was it that when we first started, like really impacted some of our ideas and our growth? And for me, it was listening to Jasmine Starr. You know, I would be reading her blogs, checking out her website, like yeah. everything that was on there, watching all of her videos. And I was like taking religious notes. And then at the time, I was actually working part time in an office. And so I was literally like working and just like taking all of this in. Um, so, yeah, Jasmine Starr was a huge one for me. And and Jasmine's an interesting one. First of all, because she's a bit of an anomaly. I don't think since Jasmine has moved on from photography to focus on marketing, social media marketing more specifically, there there hasn't been somebody that has carried quite the weight that she has or in the way that she did. And for a, quite a, like a surprising amount of time as well, developed quite a following and, and definitely put a lot of value out there into the industry. She's an interesting study, but also one who, as, as you pointed out, Deb, and, and as I just alluded to, is, was focused certainly on putting value out there based on her personal experience. She had a certain level of transparency about her um, in the way that she would share her shortcomings, her weaknesses. There was even some controversy around her and ultimately owning up to uh, her shortcomings in, in those regards. She had a certain vulnerability about her at times, too, that I think was appealing to, to some people. And so that's interesting. Yeah, sometimes it can be that one person that can make a big, big impact on your life and, and make a big, big difference. Talk to me about some a, a source of learning, shall we say. It doesn't necessarily have to be a book here, Bethany, but what comes to mind for you? So I've got one main one and then a slight nod, if that's okay. Yeah. My my main one would probably be Seth Godin's podcast, Akimbo. I don't have a whole lot of time in my life. I'm, I'm obviously very busy. So what I do to fill my extra time driving places um, or if I'm editing and I have that, that backside of my brain working is I will listen to the podcast, Akimbo by Seth Godin. And what I love about that is that he is very straightforward, very frank, very honest about being a business person and what it means to be an honest, honorable business person, what it means to really look at who you are as a business and to be honest with yourself on how you can grow and improve um, what some major weaknesses are. So it's really a nice conversation that changes every week to help you address different either things that are 
socially happening that are relevant or things that every business goes through and struggles with. So that's, that's probably my, my number one go-to place for um, education. I will say on the side, I'm not sure how many people even know about this, but if you're a photographer, I would immediately point you toward um, Gary Box, who has been uh, sort of a behind the scenes mentor of mine. And he probably doesn't even realize this, but he has a Facebook group called Inside the Box and you have to be a photographer to join it. I've added every photographer that I can think of because it's been such an incredible place, but yeah. it's a it's a place where you can go as a photographer of any ability level, any skill level to put your work out there, to have conversations about um, your business or whatever challenges you're facing. And I will tell you, the people in that group are so supportive. They're so helpful and they will answer you genuinely. And sometimes they're tough tough love kind of answers. And a lot of times they will challenge you to do this or that better. If you're needing a little bit of encouragement, they're always there. So it's not like a self-help group. It's a group of photographers with themes that change every couple of days. And they, they say, okay, post photos that uh, are alongside this theme or your, your questions or issues according to this theme. And people learn and grow from each other on a daily basis in that group. It's incredible. Wow. Wow. I don't think I've heard quite the, the rave review that you just gave for any Facebook group as of late. And that's, that's quite impressive. We'll, we'll link to that or some information yeah. uh, about that group in the show notes, along with these other resources. You mentioned Akimbo and just briefly, I didn't realize, first of all, I'm a, a big Seth Godin fan. I didn't realize he uh, had a podcast. I've, I have countless books of his, but didn't well, realize. Well, get ready to spend about three or four days binging into it because once you start, you won't stop. Wow. Yeah. I pulled it up here and it says akimbo is an ancient word from the bend in the river or the bend in an archer's bow. It's become a symbol for strength, the posture of possibility, the idea that when we stand tall, arms bent, looking right at it, we can make a difference. Akimbo is a podcast about our culture and about how we can change it, about seeing what's happening and choosing to do something. The culture is real, but it can be changed. You can bend it. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. It's very, it's very true to what it is. Well, well, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And I'm definitely um, going to hit the subscribe. Actually, I already hit the subscribe button. <laughs> I'll have to check that out later on. So talk to us about the photography side of things just briefly. And this is kind of a fun question. I started asking the last little while, but the most unusual item in each of your camera bags that enables you to be a better photographer. And again, this doesn't have to be a camera or a lens or flash. It could be literally anything. What comes to mind? Personally, I always have a crystal in my bag to shoot through. Okay. Uh Bethany and I are always trying to like look for things around us that we can use for a really unique shot. Like, and I think that every photographer does it as well, where you're just looking for how can I use this thing or how can I use this lighting for, you know, uniqueness. And we definitely look at things like that as a challenge, but I always have a crystal in my bag. Yeah. You know, I was actually talking to a local photographer yesterday who was showing me not just a crystal that she was using, but different, I mean, kind of almost a random assortment of things, including a, a segment of a copper pipe um, right. that she's using to photograph through. It's really interesting. It, it, it help, enables you literally and figuratively to frame an image in a different way and a different light, again, literally yeah. and figuratively. That's quite interesting. I, it's not something that I ever experimented with as a photographer. It wasn't kind of the thing to do back then, but um, right. it, it quite fascinates me now. It's really interesting. So a crystal, do you use any particular one, any particular brand? Uh, no, honestly, it was one that I found off Amazon. Okay. But one thing that I think is cool as a photographer is it is like this fun game. Like what can yeah. I find around me to make even this 
ugly parking lot look just incredible. Yeah. What angle can I find? What unique feature can I use to my advantage? It's really cool. Yeah. Like I don't need to be in some incredible garden to make something look amazing. Yeah. I personally love when it's a super simple area that I have the creativity to use the things around me to create, you know, an impeccable image. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of reaching in the bag and grabbing that crystal. That's kind of cool. How about you, yeah. Bethany? So game changer last year, my brother is a photographer, videographer down in Columbus, Ohio as well. So it kind of runs in the family. Um, and I was, I, I often go down and shoot videos with him or, or if he's shooting a video, I'll do photo for the wedding. So we tandem quite a bit. And last year he showed me a shoot through white balance tool. It has a little gray handle it is like eight bucks on Amazon. And I, kind of laughed it off at first and was like, oh, I don't need that. And then he taught me how to use it and I started using it and I, I game changer, a hundred percent game changer. It diffuses the light uh, of your shot as you're shooting it. So you take the sample image and then you set your custom white balance. And I, I my editing has changed. My processes have changed. Everything is streamlined and smoother. It's amazing for $8 changed my business. Wow. Okay. Is there a particular brand behind this that we can link oh, to? Oh gosh. Um, can I get it to you later? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, I don't for- know off the top of my head. It was so generic. I know, I know Gary Fong makes one, but I'm not sure I've not used it. So I don't know a hundred percent if that's the same exact thing, but I know he makes something similar. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get that information from you. And then for those of you listening in, uh, we'll put all of these resources in the show notes best we can. We'll link to them, list them. Uh, Haley also puts together detailed show notes when it comes to the content that we're discussing along with timestamps. So take advantage. If you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast, bocapodcast.com, you can see the show notes for today's episode and previous episodes as well. There's a lot of content, a lot of information out there. Um, let's jump into our kind of our primary focus today. We we spent some time going over kind of a variety of things there, but I want to get into this conversation about balance and particularly in the context for you all running multiple businesses, how in the world you can even have this this thing that we label balance. And actually to that point, let's get started before we get into the kind of the practical how-tos how would you all define this concept of balance? And, and I mentioned this actually, I think Bethany, I, I said it, I was mentioning it specifically to you before we started recording that I've realized in recent years more so that, uh, that there is particularly probably even in the last year or so, even um, that this idea of balance very much is a subjective thing and, right. you know, a happy life that involves more than just business, it doesn't translate to a particular formula for every single person. So I realized that to begin with. And so I'd love to get you all's take, uh, Bethany and Deb, both your, your ideas, your perspective on what balance even means to begin with. Right. And I think that's probably why I had a hard time defining it because it is different for everybody. And it is something that is subjective to where you're at in your life, where you're at in your business, where you're at with your mental health, it all comes into play. So after we started speaking, I kind of started jotting down my mental thoughts so that I would be able to kind of process it. And and speaking for myself, and I, w- I would think that Deb would agree with me and feel free to contradict me or, or add to what I'm saying in a minute, but I'm a mother of four. I am doing photography full-time. My business is, I am, I am trying to balance a lot of plates uh, all at the same time. And so Uh, For me, I I think what balance means is knowing what exactly your goals are 
and then meeting them as well as possible without sacrificing your mental health for your customer's happiness, um, without sacrificing your relationship with your children, without staying up until four in the morning to get this project done. Because if you don't, you're going to let this person down by not meeting an exact two week deadline. Like your mental health is important. And if you don't find that balance of what are my goals and how can I reach them without being completely self-sacrificing, you won't be successful. Your, your walls will collapse because your foundation isn't strong. Okay. So I have to jump in here real quick before you answer as well. Cause uh, Bethany, you just gave me a really beautiful summation. I, I was taking notes here as, as you were talking. The idea that we might define balance as an effort to meet goals without sacrificing mental health, physical right. health, or relationship health. Right. I think that's a beautiful summation of it. That's really, really great. And it really applies to, to more than just photographers. It, uh, that's true. the best answer that I could possibly give because that's that's true for business people. That's true for people that are hostesses on airlines. It's, it's, it's true for everybody. Yeah. Very, very much, very much so actually. Deb, you've, you've got uh, big shoes to fill here. What, what do you have to, <laughs> to compete with Bethany? <laughs> <laughs> so I absolutely agree with her. For me, I personally had to learn balance and what that looked like. I have a three-year-old <laughs> and I feel like all these businesses kind of grew when Oh my gosh, I was taking your work with me two weeks postpartum. So there was a lot of learning balance. And for me, it was putting systems into place and scheduling my work time versus my downtime. And that would have to fluctuate depending on the day. But for the most part, I keep a pretty steady schedule of I know what days I'm working during the week, I know what times I automate a lot of my stuff so that I can have my time back. I outsource things so that, you know, the things that may be stressing me out and that maybe I'm not the best at that. I'm outsourcing that to someone who they're hella stellar at it. And that kind of goes with Bethany's mental health part of it as well. Being able to like set these boundaries when it comes to outside relationships, whether that's with, you know, family, friends, or especially your clients. That for me has been a huge one is just setting those boundaries, automating and scheduling. Yeah. So there, you've got a good list going here, actually. Systems, schedules, delegation, automation, and then boundaries. Yeah. To, to, to finish that off. That's a, that's a great list, actually. And we could spend, honestly, multiple podcast episodes talking about, <laughs> about those. That's a really, really great list. But honestly, and, and this leads me to my next question, which in some ways is rhetorical, but in some ways isn't. Because I think a lot of, a lot of photographers and probably just entrepreneurs in general kind of assume that, you know, I mean, kind of going along the lines of the, the, the Gary Vaynerchuk business model, which is, you know, 24-7 hustle, uh, right. which, by the way, he's clarified since and said, you know, the, there's importance to actually taking time, certainly with family, getting sleep, um, that he prioritizes that quite a bit. But I think a lot of times we see that example, and that's just one person's example, but we see that example and we're like, oh, we got to we gotta work, work our butts off 80 hours a week in order to make this thing work. And the reality is that's not the case. And the, the reason that's not required, we don't have to kill ourselves to make the business work, is because we have tools or systems in place, uh, I, I guess methodologies, principles really is probably the better word, that can right. enable us, if we're willing to open our mind to them and implement them, 
um, to have a life that goes beyond work. Um, so I, I, I guess I already answered my own question there, but Deb, you did a great job of setting us up for that because these principles, systems, schedules, delegation, the significance of delegation, especially for photographers. Right. I mean, the, the amount of time that photographers spend just in editing, not to mention album design uh, or accounting work, uh, email, various forms of communication, those things can all in one form or another be delegated and would save you hours and hours and hours and hours in a week. And you could, I mean, honestly, in fact, I had a photographer on not long ago who talked about running a, a quite a successful business actually within like 15 or 20 hours a week, period. And he has a family as well, but you, you can't just do that randomly. You have to be extremely intentional and you've got to take advantage of, of or implement these principles in your business in order to make it happen. Right. Well, we're creatives, right? That's what we do. We create. And it's so hard when you create something and when you build a style and a brand to then be expected to release some of those responsibilities to other people to to represent you. Like it, it's very difficult to come into a creative career and then be expected to let go of some of that control in order to maintain sanity. It's true. But you know, what's interesting about that, and I've mentioned this before, is that, for example, artistry or being an artist is not mutually exclusive to being structured or organized or implementing systems. And the cool thing actually is once we put those systems in place, it actually frees us up. It gives us more time to focus on the things that we care about. So for some photographers, it might be being a business person, being an entrepreneur is more their strength and their focus and their enjoyment for others. It might be the photography. And if they are, uh, or maybe even the editing, you know, if, if somebody likes to sit in front of a computer and edit images, that's something that they get the most enjoyment out of in, in, in all that they're doing in their business. Fine, more power to you, but figure out how to delegate the rest of it or much of the rest of it and automate as much as possible, systematize it, simplify it in order so that you have more time to focus on that thing that you enjoy. So it's not, it's not that being organized and being an artist, these concepts have to be mutually exclusive. You can have right. both if you're smart about the approach and you're intentional about the approach to that. I'd like to ask, and I, I didn't even think about this when I initially wrote down the question initially, but the difference between one person and of course you all are in business or businesses together. This is perfect for this question, but balance is going to be subjectively possible certainly, but will it look the same for everyone? And again, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but I'd love for you all to contrast your approach to work, your work habits maybe a little bit, uh, if you will, just so we can give our, our listeners a tangible, practical example of how it can look different for different people. Right. Um, I, I would say in general, is balance possible? Yes, balance is possible. Balance is fleeting. But at the end of the day, balance is a choice that you have to consciously make. Yeah. Because if you're not consciously making it, then you won't find balance. You have to choose what's more important to you. Progress, benefit, money, or your sanity and your balance. Uh, for me, what that means is, uh, and I, I'm, I'm by no means am I sitting here saying that I'm great at it. If, if it, between the two of us, I'm the worst at it um, because I don't like giving up that control, and I don't. It makes me feel really uncomfortable, but I, I have to force myself to do it in order to maintain my balance. Um, so for me, what that means is I uh, outsource some of my culling and the basic edits of my work. And so, and that's sort of a newer process that I'm going through, but I do, I need to let other people decide if 
this photo is a great photo or not a great photo because my subjective perspective is sometimes flawed because of its subjectivity. Um, another thing that I make an effort to do is to say, here's the plan for the day. If we don't have a plan, then like for the, for example, the other night, it was our Wednesday night. Wednesday night is the only night that we don't have all four kids. It's our night to do stuff, but I am buried in work. And that's a great thing, but being buried in work can very easily take total control over all of my extra time, which then my relationship suffers, the the laundry suffers, my projects other than photography suffers, my garden suffers. So um, for me, what I do is I say, okay, um, I'm going to do this and that until eight o'clock. And at eight o'clock, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to stop doing this at eight o'clock and the rest of the night is ours. Because if I don't do that, then it'll just keep rolling more and more and more. Oh, just yeah. one more thing. Oh, one more thing. So it not only serves as a checks and balances for Steven to say, Hey, you said eight o'clock. Um, but also it gives him that affirmation to say, I matter. I matter to her enough for her to put her work down to spend time with me because I'm just like my father. I will work until the sun goes down and then comes back up again. Yeah. And I'm totally content doing that, but I know that it's not good and I have to set those boundaries. And I like the clarity that the statement that you made, that it is a choice. It may feel fleeting. I think, I think the more intentional and the more that we intent, well, intentionally choose really to create that space for ourselves, the more consistent that so-called balance, or I'll just call it space that we can have that space. Um, and, and there is a certain amount of accountability innate to what you described, Bethany, which is your relationship to Stephen, um, while it is important to you, certainly it's easy to get caught up in work and to get distracted from giving the relationship time that it definitely needs. And so making the commitment, the verbal commitment, it, it creates a certain amount of accountability, which uh, essentially not for it forces sounds wrong, but but kind of pushes you to set work aside and then ultimately enjoy some time with him. And I, I've given this example before in the podcast, but we used to do, uh, when, when my kids were younger, we did something called, well, first of all, it was Fun Monday, and then it was Fun Sunday once they started to school. <laughs> and that was, they knew that the computers got shut down and they got focused time with their parents. And we would go out you know, to a children's museum or um, maybe go to the aquarium or go to a park or whatever it might be, but they knew that they were going to get this time with their parents and that commitment created accountability and it was a great thing overall in the end. And, um, looking back at some of those old pictures, it's, it's so much fun, but there is a certain amount of accountability that can, can drive behavior. And I think holding ourselves accountable to the important people in our lives, friends, family, significant others is, is a great idea. Deb, what, what's your take on this? Yeah. So I think Bethany totally said it perfectly, which is that balance is a choice. Because trust me, there was a time in my business that I was drowning in it. It was just this constant rat race of, I have to edit, I have to go shoot, I have to advertise more, I have to do this, I have to do that. Like It was just this constant list. And I mean, obviously that was a choice too. I was choosing to be in that rat race until I realized it. And then that's when I put into play where I'm like, okay, I need a solid schedule that this is the schedule I am going to live off of. And so that means that Sundays I don't work. I don't book photo shoots on Sundays. I have emails that are automated 
So that informs people if they email me on a Sunday that they're, you know what, they're not going to get a response until Monday. Uh, I have it in my contract, what my clients can expect from me, like response wise, so that they're well aware what to expect. So they know my schedule as well. And then it's not just for the business end. It's also the personal end. So that, you know, we know that it's family day on Sundays. So on Sundays, we're hanging out. We're going to go do something fun. And so work is work. And my life outside of that is my life. So kind of like I said, with creating that balance is truly like that automation. So that if I need to still work on those dates, you know what, I might automate something to go out on the date that I have off technically so that I'm working when I'm not technically working. Yeah. What Deb is really good at, which I still struggle with is, um, is her social media. So she'll spend an entire day putting together the entire month's social media and scheduling it out so that that doesn't consume part of her day every day. She gets it done, gets it out of the way and makes it a seamless process so that she can then be focused on other things specifically and not distracted easily. The things that bring me joy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you mentioned a few things there. And again, the commitment to a family day there, there is accountability there, but it also, it's kind of fun to have something like that, that gives you, you know, a day during the week, at least hopefully at least one um, that you can look forward to as a day off one that you can take off your proverbial work clothes and throw on the PJs or whatever it might be and, and relax and connect. And that gives you something to look, look forward to throughout the week, especially if you're in a season where you're just throwing down, you are putting in extra hours. Um, but that that's great to put that in the calendar and to commit to it. And, and not enough can be said about the significance of committing to something in the calendar, especially when it comes to, to connecting with other people. Once it goes in the calendar, just make it law and follow through on it. And not only will your personal life be better for it, but your relationships will be better for it. And that's really good. Managing expectations with your clients. This is a huge one. And this this can not only be applicable to the way that we put together our contracts, but the communication, the way that we communicate with our clients, when we're willing to communicate with our clients, through what platforms we're willing to communicate with our clients. Because the reality is these days, there's so many different ways they can get in touch with us. And that can also overwhelm our personal lives and our personal relationships. This is the last thing that we need. So being proactive and creating those expectations is, is a huge, huge thing. And then time blocking, which is something we kind of already touched on, but again, blocking off and, and actually not just time blocking, I, I wrote down time blocking, but it's more about blocking off um, segments of time for particular tasks or task blocking, if you will, where as Bethany was pointing out, Deb's really good at scheduling social media ahead of time for a segment of time. So then you don't get your day interrupted by, oh, shoot, I have to go post to social media because we all know, and I'm guilty of it, we all know how easy it is to, to be distracted from focusing on the things that are that matter bigger picture that are going to actually drive our business forward in a more significant way. We know how easily it is to get distracted by that, by just any incoming notification, email, mm-hmm. something going on in social media, some random thing that you forgot to write down yesterday and you just remember it, so now you got to go do that. And we're all over the place. If we actually segment the way that we're spending our time and dedicate segments of time to particular tasks, we can work way more efficiently, get way more done. And uh, that's a great principle to to bring up. And, and it's a good reminder for us. So thanks for sharing that, Deb. Any As we finish up the conversation here, any other particular 
principles or workflow tips or tricks or habits that, that you all want to, to share with us that we can close out the conversation with? Yes, actually, one that just popped in my head. I don't even know the exact words that you had just said that made me think about this. So something that I do is I have just this brain dump because sometimes, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love my coffee. I will drink about a pot a day and she does. I will admit I get a little hyped up with it (laughs) to where then my head is like spinning and I'm like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And so I will just start like brain dumping and I will write all of that stuff down for me to go back later and see what stuff I actually have to get done and what other things may just be affected by the coffee. <laughs> you should see the list that she makes though. Cause we'll be sitting there working together on whatever project we're working on. And she'll have this list that is a full page long and each line is its own separate thing. And as she gets them done, she'll cross them off and then she'll rewrite the list with all the things that aren't crossed off and then add to that. And it's just this progressive, it's amazing. I, I do the same thing sort of in Trello and I just hope to God that I remember the other stuff, but <laughs> she's a list maker for sure. Another one is at least personally, I know I am always on the road. So I also have this little recorder in my car yeah. that if I'm driving And so I can't like write it down, obviously safely. I just have the recorder in my car and I will record whatever, you know, little thing I wanted to remember to do later. And then I will go write those things down as well to add them to my to-do list. And then every day I just kind of prioritize like maybe three or four of those things to get done so that I'm not, don't have this massive list of to-dos. It's only like three or four. Yeah, that's good. You know, it reminds me of a few things. First of all, the significance of having a place where you can go unload everything that's going on in your mind is really, really important. I, I know that, Deb, it sounds like you very much, I, I can relate to what you're dis- describing and that, especially in the car, actually, that is one of those times where, especially if I have a podcast going or maybe an audiobook going and it's just triggering different ideas, I want to be able to to remind myself of this thought or this task or this thing that I need to, to research later on, whatever it might be. Right. But having a place to, to unload all of that is really important. I, we've talked before in the podcast about the significance of task and project managers. I know that a lot of people like paper. Um, there is something to be said though, right now for the, the tools. I personally use a tool called Todoist. I know Trello is another popular one. Mm-hmm. I know that Todoist specifically, not only gives you an inbox where you can kind of do exactly what Deb was just talking about, unload everything in your in your mind and then go and further categorize it as necessary. Not only does it give you that ability, but it actually works with Siri. It also works with Google Voice where you can actually speak tasks into it. So if you're if you're in the car and you want to make sure that you're hands free for the sake of safety, then you can take advantage of those integrations and actually speak the tasks in. And then of course later on you can further organize them as needed. But um, it is really important to have that, not only for the sake of remembering all that we have to do, things that we want to do, um, new ideas, but also for the sake of quieting our mind. Because if there's a lot going on in there, there are certainly different ways we can help quiet our mind. But one of those is just to get rid of the excess noise in there, positive or negative. And uh, having a place to unload all of that is really, really good. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, I think it's a great thing. Bethany, do you have anything to add here at the end? Um, it sort of ties back to the beginning. I will say the one tip or trick that I will suggest to everyone is to connect, to go to your local, 
photography groups or what we have is Tuesdays Together. Yeah. Yeah. With Rising Tide Society. Which is where Deb and I sort of met is, is okay. to put yourself out there and, and to have that conversation with other photographers to collaborate with people to um, like we at the studio, we will have days where we are just sitting in the studio and I put a text out there in our, in our group and we've created a really incredible community where people are helping and supporting each other. They're asking questions, they're doing what they need to do um, to grow in their business. And so I'll put in there, Hey, I'm going to be hanging out at the studio on Wednesday from, you know, 10 until six. If anybody wants to stop by message me, here's my number um, so that they can come in and have a coffee and talk business and get to know them on a personal level. And what happens is when you open that communication with another photographer, with another business person, you learn from them, you grow from them and you grow as an individual as well. Had I never gone to this meeting, Deb and I didn't know each other. She messaged me on Facebook and was like, Hey, I like your work. You do some funky, cool stuff. Like that's really neat. I'd love to have you come to this event that I'm doing. And I very easily could have been like, no, but one of my main problems with the photography industry and and our culture in general is that people are so protective and nobody wants to meet for coffee or get to know anybody else because they're they're afraid that they're going to take their clients or something like that. And so when Deb invited me to this thing, I said, nope, I'm not going to be like those people that I had issues with before. I'm going to be different. And so I went and I met her and it started an incredible relationship that has has affected my life, not only in business, but personal in so many different ways. And I, I've gained a, an incredible friendship out of it. And so putting yourself out there and starting those conversations. If people aren't having those conversations, you need to start them and you need to put yourself out there so that people can connect with you and so that you can challenge yourself to grow and be a better person. Wow. That's a great way to sum up the conversation. And by the way, from the self-professed introvert too. So props to <laughs> yeah. you. Oh, it's not easy. Oh, it's not easy. <laughs> but but good for you just pushing through that anyway. You know, again, it, yeah. we, we limit ourselves as human beings and, and business owners by saying I am, and then we fill in the blank with some label that kind of simplifies the description of us and helps us make sense of the world a little bit. And the rea- reality is that we're, we're nuanced and we're actually capable of a lot more than, than we sometimes give ourselves credit for. So right. props to you, Bethany, for pushing beyond that. And it's really great advice to all of our listeners. Again, the reminder of the significance of connection in person. Make the effort, I promise. If you keep an open mind and an open heart, it'll pay off just multifold. Absolutely. Well, this has been, I, I really appreciate you all making time for the podcast today for sharing your your perspectives, your experience with our listeners. We'll make sure to link to not only all the all the URLs and all the social media accounts, but also to the resources and the information that we shared today during the podcast. For those of you listening in, you can go to Boca B O K E H Podcast dot com for those show notes and uh view the show notes, not only for this episode, but again, the the hundreds of episodes previous as well. There's lots of information there. Make sure you take advantage of it. But thanks again, Deb and Bethany, for sharing your perspective and your experience with the Boca Podcast listeners. Absolutely. We appreciate you. you. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I appreciate what you're doing in our industry. And I appreciate you pulling us in so that we can start to change that culture and make it a, a better place for everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. 
The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>